0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Badgerland Birding Podcast, bringing you birding news and stories from the Badger State and beyond. Today, we're with Matt Zero, who's going to tell us a little bit about bird photography, specifically owls, take some awesome owl photos and kind of the birding scene in Illinois where he's from. How are you doing, Matt?
1: Doing good, guys. How are you?
0: Good, love I'm just setup. ready
2: to get into the owl talk because I yes, said yeah. before we start recording, I was like, you've been taking some radical owl photos because I see them pop up on Instagram. I'm just like, how did that even happen? I'm like, how how in the world does that photo exist? They're so crazy.
1: The owls are fun, dude. What can I say? And thank, thank God I live where I do. I mean, they're just everywhere around here. So it makes it pretty easy to just do what I do within five minutes of my house. So I get to do it every night. You Most also know
2: have taken some trips recently to see owls in other parts of the country, though, too, haven't you? I
1: have, and I'm about to take another one this weekend. Uh, the bog is a, it seems like a normal place for me to be this winter. I think I'll be there five times in total, so like 20-ish days, I think. I think that's what it totals out to. Um, like, I mean, I go to, like, Indiana and stuff for days, and you know, you get shorter owls and that kind of stuff down there, which is fine. But yeah, the, Sa-
0: the Saxon bog in Minnesota is an incredible place, so... And it's—I feel like it's been a decent year for diversity there. So, what kind of stuff have you seen so far, and what are you hoping to get on your next trip?
1: So, I've technically I've seen everything you can see up there, and there's not too many species. Obviously, I mean, there's probably 20 total species if you're a bird guy to see. But my first trip, it was raining the whole time besides the last day, so we didn't—we only saw the pine martin the first two or three days, and then finally the last day we had a little morning snow. It was about 34 degrees. And we had four grays on the same road, McDavid, and I mean it was just picturesque. It was every perch was great, and there was snow covering everything. There was they had icicles on their eyes. It's pretty great. The last trip I went on, we had seven different grays in seven different spots. None of them were really on good perches, but again, seven different grays You can't really complain about that. Plus the hawk owl, um, and then plus all the other bird species like boreal chickadee and pine grosbeak and black woodpecker and it's all great, but
0: yeah, and in that boreal forest, you mentioned the diversity not being super high, but I feel like all the species are really
1: cool and unique. They're really cool, and a lot of them are picturesque. Like the male pine grosbeak, beautiful bird. The male, even female evening grosbeak, really pretty bird. Boreal chickadee, another gorgeous bird. Even the woodpeckers, I mean, they're kind of plain, but it, I mean, they're. I think they're cooler than like hairy and downy and. Uh, some of the stuff we have here I, don't, I won't put them over redheaded or affiliated but they're pretty nice
2: so let me ask you this because as birders you know we're more birders than bird photographers we mm. usually view the rare stuff as kind of the stuff we want to see the most for you is it kind of the same where it's oh that bird's rare i want to take photos of it or is it more that bird has a really unique look or a pretty color i want to take a photo of it
1: it kind of depends to be honest so like a few years ago, I'm not sure I can't really even remember what this bird is called, but in waukegan they had this South American uh flycatcher. Forktailed? No. Small building. I, I like fork-tailed. Yep, small build yep. Ryan and went to see that actually. I didn't yep, see that. To me, it was just it looked like a Phoebe or like any other, you know, normal flycatcher behavior. So I didn't go see it, even though it was like maximum rareness. But it is what it is. But like I mean, the fork-tailed flycatcher is super rare, but it's also a gorgeous bird, so I'll go see that. The Ross's gull we had here in 2022, or no, 2023, it was a, I mean, it was just a plain gull, but it was it's a cute gull, so I'll go take a picture of it. Um, rareness, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just the picture. Like, I'll take a good picture of a robin. It doesn't really matter to me. If it's too far, then I won't go see it, unless it's like crazy, crazy rare.
0: Yeah, and how did you kind of get started in all this photography stuff?
1: So it was, so my ex introduced me to this whole thing in 2016. And then I slowly kind of like, in 2016, I had a Canon T5 and like a kit lens. And then I upgraded to a 150 to 500 and a 70 Canon. And I did that for like two or three years, kind of learned it. I didn't really know much about birds. I kind of even dropped it off for two or three years. And then I'm not sure what happened, but right before COVID hit, I started kind of getting back into it i got a sony body and i got the sony 200 to 600 and i started getting really into like snowy owls and this kind of stuff you know it's what every middle-aged dude or young dude gets into it seems like um and sony let me out their 600 prime over COVID, and i got to keep it for six or seven months and it's that during that time i kind of really fell in love with the smaller birds as well and not just the birds of prey because everything just looks so unique it, they're all just pretty in their own ways, the colors, the the looks of them. But it's more, yeah, I guess my ex got me into it. That's the the, the main answer here.
0: But you do a little sport photography as well, right? I it's do. not just wildlife. Was that before yep. the wildlife photography?
1: I started the sports dog in 2019. So I guess it was, it kind of was right in the middle. You know, it, it correlated, especially to getting the better gear. Cause again, they both go hand in hand in some sports 600, 400. And the cameras so
2: how do you decide what stuff you want to focus on getting because there's so many options out there you know you mentioned you can get shorty owls down there you got the bog species you know how do you decide yeah. on any given day what it is that you want to go photograph
1: well it's more or less how far do i want to drive so like for short-eared owls i go to indiana i'll go to kankiki sands everyone around here knows about kankiki sands but again it's an hour and a half from chicago So it's more or less do I want to drive an hour and a half for shorter owls, or do I want to drive five minutes for screech owls or do I want to drive those actually those are the only owls I really care about right now so yeah we'll go with those but (laughs) it's more or less how much do I want to drive. I enjoy photographing shorter owls. I think more in general than I do screech owls but the opportunities that I have with screech owls for unique photos is way higher than a shorter owl because what is a shorter owl going to do it's going to land on a post it's going to land on one of the plants out there and that's about it maybe catch something but you don't really get those sunset crazy colors of purples the pinks the reds that you do with a screech owl 20 minutes after sunset so it's more creative with the screech owls it's more just fun and don't enjoy being out in nature with the short and same with snowy and that kind of stuff
0: So what is one thing that's similar about photographing birds and photographing, you know, sports? And what's one thing that's different?
1: So similar is obviously gonna be shutter speed, I guess. I mean, you're just gonna have to freeze the action with the birds in flight. With baseball, you want bat on ball, you don't want any blur in the bat. So you're probably gonna be at or above thirty two hundred, shutter one thirty two hundredth on your shutter. I mean, I'm shooting upwards of if it's bright sun, I'm shooting one sixteen thousandth of a second with my camera just because why not? You're not going to notice that ISO hit as much during the day as you would during the night, so those will freeze as much as possible. And then with birds in flight, obviously you want to be probably two times the length of your fo or two times the focal length of your lens. So if you shoot a six hundred you want to be at one twelve fiftieth at least. obviously you want to be probably one twenty five hundredth or even more. But if you really learn your lens, you can pan and you can make use of one twelve fiftieth um, different I don't know. I mean, what's different i guess you have to have patience i mean with baseball you have to have patience too but you're not spending six hours or you're not spending two months of your year looking for this one thing and hoping to god you get the, the perfect photo because baseball the guy strikes out the next guy comes up and you get the same chance at bat on ball and ball and play something like that so probably just more just it's, it's a lot harder with birds than sports because in sports you're not really doing much except at the end of the game and a championship or you know a celebration you can miss a lot of that stuff and that does suck but be
0: kind of funny stressful. if if the birds you know once one was perched up for you the next one just came like the, like it is with baseball just revolving hey, door of birds landing on the same sometimes perch.
1: they do that with the babies <laughs> hey that come right in
0: i feel like there's so many different things
2: that i'm curious to ask you about just stuff that you've experienced because some of the most interesting articles I've ever read about bird stuff have been photographers that go out looking for some rare species and then eventually get the perfect photo. I remember there was one with some kind of kingfisher where they finally got it diving in the water. They waited for like a year to get it. Mm -hmm. Was there a photo for you that was like that? Like you just waited for so long, maybe even weeks or months and it finally just came into fruition.
1: Um, I think it would probably be a shorter owl. So, for the longest time, I had so much of an issue. Again, this was two or three years ago of even getting a perch shorter owl. And I get, again, this is like, who really cares? It seems like anyone can get a perch shorter owl. The viewers care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's not, It's it wasn't hard, but it was like every time I went out, I'd miss it for some reason, whether it's me fumbling out the camera, I'm not being in the right place. It took me, I think, a year and a half to even get it just a perch photo of a shorted owl whether it be a good photo whether it be a bad photo that was probably the hardest the screech owl stuff just seems to just it just happens almost I mean it's it happens a lot for some reason it's probably because where I live every background is different every perch is different they're landed in cavities they're landed on dead trees they're landed on open snags in backyards with lights so it's that stuff, it doesn't seem very difficult. It's just, I mean, even the easier photos, like the shorter, it just seemed like the hardest thing to get. And even now still, it's hard to get a perch shorter at all. I don't know why. I think, I think they hate me, but, you know, I'll keep going. Doesn't they, I don't care.
0: They just don't like to perch. Like, it's been very rare I've yep. ever seen a perch short ear. Kind of like yep. Harriers in that way.
1: Uh, I think Harriers are even worse. I've tried I think they are worse. Yeah. I don't have a single picture. Well, I have one on the ground, but not a perch photo still. And I love Harriers. They're amazing.
0: Yeah, I feel like the one or two times I've seen one perch, it like sees that you're looking at it and it's like, oh, people yeah, aren't please. supposed to see me perched and it immediately flies. Yep, That's It's kind of like seeing a,
2: a mascot with the mascot costume off or just like, you know, the oh, head God. of the costume taken off. Like somebody walks yep. backstage like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I can't perch. I forgot. That's part of the
0: routine.
1: Yep, I've Had that happen at work before. <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird.
0: Um... um did you notice a big difference in the quality of your photographs as you kind of got more expensive gear or just different gear? Can you kind of run us down like what you started on, where you're at yeah. now, what the biggest differences were?
1: So, I mean, what, I'm just going to start with when I started with Sony because the Canon stuff was so old and I didn't really even know what I was doing. Um, so I first started with a Sony a7 III and then an, an adapted Sigma lens from Canon. And the photos were like, they were Okay. They were whatever. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I upgraded to the Sony a7R5, which is their high megapixel camera, and the 200 to 600, or sorry, a7R4 and 200 to 600. And the photo quality, it went up, but again, if you didn't really know what you were doing, and I didn't really know what I was doing in 2020, or 2019 into 2020, it didn't really matter. So when I got the 600 from Sony in 2020, The photos, they looked nice if you got them on an open perch because, again, the background's blown out at F4, but most of the pictures were still terrible because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to compose. I didn't know how to do settings. I didn't know how to not shoot at the sky. So, yes, your photos will get better if you buy more expensive gear. Obviously, you know, if you're shooting at 2.8 instead of 6.3, your photo's going to look nicer. But if you don't really know what you're doing with the cameras, if you don't know your settings, if you don't know how to compose, you know, even the standard rule of third and that kind of stuff, your photos are still going to be just basic and not great. And I, I, my photos up until 2022, in my opinion, were just horrible. So it took a lot of learning. The, The gear, again, it helps. It doesn't make anything. You know, you can get a great photo with what I had. With Canon and 150 to 500 and the 7D, you know, it's a thousand dollars for the whole setup. So, yeah, just know what you're doing.
0: What, what helped you bridge that gap where you kind of the, felt like you gained the knowledge of doing it over and over again?
1: Over and over and over again. So in 2022, I believe it was 2022. Well, 2021 is when I really started just every single day during migration. I would go out and I go to Montrose Point in Chicago. Everyone knows about Montrose Point um you go the birds are right at your fingertips and you just shoot and shoot and shoot and see what you like um and I did that in the spring and in the summer I kind of I didn't really do much in the summer but I went to Horicon once obviously you guys are from Wisconsin it's the place um what else did I do I didn't do much I shot least bitter in the summer because I someone tipped me off and then in the fall I went back to Montrose almost every single day and shot almost every single day and I I mean, 2021, I think I took the most pictures of my life. I've had to have taken hundreds of thousands of pictures and I still don't really have many good photos, but then I feel like something clicked in 2022 where I must've been over the winter. I kind of went back and just looked at what I had. I looked at eBird on the, on the library. I can't pronounce the name, Macaulay or something like that. Macaulay. Macaulay. And I was looking at like the top photos that everyone's taken. And most of them, if you look at them, they have, general similar composition they're on the left side they're on the right side it's the rule of thirds on the top right or you know
0: do you mind explaining the the rule of thirds just for people that may have never heard of that
1: before so the rule of thirds is you have the left side of your your frame you have the middle and then you have the right side i don't know if the the thing is mirrored but you know you have three sides or three different sections of your image and if you put something right in the middle of your picture it's kind of just it's there it's like whoa that's you know whatever. And then you have empty space on the left, empty space on the right. And if the bird's sitting in the middle of your picture and it's looking this way, you kind of want to have the bird trying to just picture where I am. You want to have the bird seemingly looking into the distance of your photo. So you want to have more dead space where it's looking than you want to have behind it because there's nothing happening back here. The bird doesn't care about what's back here. So you kind of want to position your bird if it's looking that way. You're going to put it on this side to have the most empty space here. Like if something's over here that you can't see, just something like that. I'm terrible at explaining this stuff. It works more in my brain than, you know, coming out of my mouth. But you get the gist of it. Yeah.
0: So you want, you want the bird in one side looking where there's open space, giving it a little headroom so you can kind of see like what it's looking at and Mm -hmm, have more like, like the edge of the photo behind it.
1: Basically. Yep. You know, you can put it at the bottom of the frame, give more, bokeh background you know if you're shooting a duck and you have nice reeds and color behind it you probably want the duck lower and your reeds up here because um, again if you put it up here and you got all this water it just kind of looks meh nah. but with warblers I usually I usually put them top of the frame whether regardless because I don't know I just think it looks weird at the bottom of the frame with warblers but it's more up to your style of editing I can't really speak on any one right thing to do but
0: Gotcha. Um, it is crazy. If you go into the Macaulay library and you look at the top rated photos, they're incredible. And then you can look at, you can click and it'll show you the camera gear and all the settings and stuff. So it's really interesting to go through and see what kind of things people shot these photos on and how they're able to get such crazy pictures.
1: And if you look at some of the cameras, they're not crazy expensive, insane setups. I've looked at some of the stuff. Some people are just using 150 to 600 Sigmas, which are 800 bucks. And they're using a 500 or a a Nikon D500 or something like that, you know, on the $2,000 range. You don't don't need $20,000 worth of gear to take a, you know, award-winning photo, obviously. What's the deal with the Sigmas?
0: Because I feel like people mention them kind of like with a negative connotation.
1: I don't think they're negative. I mean, the contemporary 150 to 600s that everyone buys, it's not the 600 or the 60 to 600, but the 150 to 600 contemporary. Um, It's out for Nikon, Canon. I think that's the only contemporary because Sigma makes the same ones the 150 to 600 for Sony, but it's a sport. But just any of that, you know, same lens one fifty to plus So is
0: Sigma more just like they make the lens and it fits with multiple cameras? Is it's that a kind thir- of view? so
1: Sigma is a third party brand. It's a it's it's yeah, it's a third party maker. So Sigma, Tamron, um, Lowa, just these kind of third party brands will license out the lens mount and then they'll make lenses for that lens mount. And they're more affordable. They're always more affordable, usually. I'll you know, disclaimer you can get Cine lenses that are a billion dollars, but they're usually more affordable which is why people go for them because you're not dropping three, $4,000 on a lens. You're only dropping 900 bucks and it gets the job done. There's not too much of a difference. Obviously corner sharpness can be you know, different or the vignette or the, you know, the coma or the, you know, whatever, but generally they're good options for people that are getting into the, the hobby that don't want to drop a million dollars on camera stuff. And I, I'm a big proponent for that. I, I recommend that stuff to everyone that starts Nine hundred bucks, go buy it. Sweet, way better. So you
2: know, we were talking about the Macaulay Library. I thought that I saw that one of your photos was on eBird's homepage before. Am I right in that?
1: I think I've had seven. I don't know. That's like he's seven not counting. No. he's not I, counting. <laughs> that's I'm not counting. But I think I've had seven on the. Homepage.
2: Do they give you something? or that? Do they give you a little no. like medal or something, or no. just like, hey, thanks for supporting the cause.
1: No, you don't even know that they're on the homepage. The only reason I've known that you're on the home or that I'm on the homepage is other people because you stalk it. I don't, I <laughs> every don't every day. Stalk
0: it. Is it time? <laughs> Refresh. I wish.
1: Well, usually you know because you'll see like a sudden burst of interactions on the picture. Like my uh, screech out picture from last winter went from like it was like 10 interactions one morning after I posted it, and then two days later it was like 150. So I was like, oh, well, something must have happened. Sure, is, you know, it's on the homepage. Um, I think. Now that has like 600 or something likes or what ratings or whatever they call it on that website, but you know, you don't know, you never know, which is weird. I feel like they should email you and tell you I feel, I yeah, feel like should. a lot of yeah. people would be hype
0: They should congratulate you or something, get a yeah. little certificate. Certificate,
1: That'd be cool. dude. I would just take an email because again, <laughs> a lot of people just post the pictures and they never look again, but. I've seen people from Illinois have their stuff on there. I'm sure people just want to know they're on there because it's a cool thing. They're on the front page of a website. If you're listening, hey, you know, it's kind of like do being that, on please.
2: the box of Wheaties, basically.
0: Yeah, hey. it's illustrated, you know. Yeah, birds yeah. illustrated. I like it. Oh, jeez, front
1: cover, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So I was gonna ask. What do you usually do with your photos? Because there's tons of people that take photos. I feel like a lot of people kind of just like take them and then don't put them anywhere, don't do anything with them. And I always, I wonder, you know, what what do they do then?
1: I'm the same person. I take them. You're and that I put guy. Put them on my Instagram, and I'll sometimes I put them on my Instagram. Otherwise, I'm lazy and I don't post for two weeks. Or I post a lot on on the library. I like contributing to the library but I don't, I used to post on Facebook. I don't post on Facebook, um, never did Twitter. I, I don't share them. I don't really print them. I'll print like my top of the top pictures, like the one that was on the home, the screenshot that was on the home page. I have a massive print above my computer that's three by two. And I have an owl wall of all the owl species I have, but that's it. I mean, I want to do a warbler wall, but I think 40 or so images would kind of get a little crazy on a wall. So that sounds awesome about that yeah, it would be awesome but the whole wall would, would kind of be discombobulated but i think you got to get a spot at a
0: museum exhibit or something and people can be That'd like be here's cool. the owl one here's the warbler mm-hmm.
1: one yeah i'd be I down i think what you I'd have to do actually
2: is get every owl species you've had as the home page on ebird and only then can you count it as complete
1: dude that's gonna kill me that <laughs> would kill me that's uh, your life's work it would, dude. I just want a black, uh, yeah, black and black and I don't, I can't even say it. Black and yeah, and I don't want to, I want that to be on the homepage. That's the life goal is to see that damn fish owl. I don't know if <laughs> it'll happen, but I gotta see that. Have you ever tried it? it? What, try to see it? Yeah, did I wish I don't have that kind of money? I just spent it all on
0: cameras. <laughs> But, you gotta
1: get the sigma. You gotta go budget. Ah, uh, I don't know about that. It's hard <laughs> to go back from from this stuff. It is nice. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I do love it. But
0: well, you mentioned yeah. Sony loaned you. Was it the 600,
1: six and 400 during COVID? Is and that just I a don't...
0: straight 600 straight, 400 no
1: zoom yep. on that? Yep, 600 prime, 400 prime. So 400 and they let to you keep eight. it for like six months. <laughs> well, they lent it to lent it to me February like 17th. And then the world shut down like two weeks later. And I was supposed to send it back after three weeks. So they were just like, you can keep it for whenever. So I sent it back in September or something like that. But I thank then, them for Did that. you
0: buy it then? Did I they did. give you a discount?
1: I did not. Oh, dang. <laughs> Dude, I tried. I tried. Yeah,
0: I'd be like, I've bonded with this lens. I, yeah. could you just let me keep it?
1: Well, I had to wait. I had to wait like six months to even get the 600 in because of the supply constraints. I was like, dude, I just want to give you 13 grand. Come on, just give me the lens, man. You don't <laughs> to let me spend the money. But I did buy it. So they got a customer out of letting me have the lens for six months. And then I bought the 400 as well. So they got their return on investment, I think.
2: That's good. I was going to ask you mentioned the Blackson's fish owl. What mm-hmm. bird in the U.S. that's kind of you know within striking distance is your next one that you really want to get
1: photos of? Oh, photos of, huh? Let me think. Barn. There's owl. a lot of different owls yeah. out there. Barn, barn owl. Interesting. Barn owl. Oh, yeah. barn. Barn. Not barred. I don't gotcha. want to see another <laughs> barn owl. <laughs> so, know. have you
2: ever seen a barn owl before? Would that be a I life have, bird for you? Yeah. You have. No, I've I've seen them.
1: They they came. So Montrose Point got three of them in one fall. So I saw all those. And then I saw another one at McCormick Place the year before. Um, so I've seen like four or five or something like that. Um, but I've never gotten like a good picture one. I want one on a nice perch with a nice background. The one Everyone seems to get them in California and Florida. So I guess I got to go back to one of those states and see what I can get. That's is a nice that...
2: background to you? Like a dilapidated barn in the background? Like is That'd that the cool. on-brand nice background you'd like? Or one in I a mean, pristine forest?
1: i think forest i think that's more of my style but if, if there was a barn in the way back and then you know a nice perch on the outside and it was sitting on the perch and you could kind of bouquet out the barn but still know it's a barn obviously i would want that one but that's like ai generated dream picture that would never happen i was but gonna say you're
2: gonna have to start constructing sets out there and just hope that someday something lands i remember one time i was birding ethical? with a guy who was a big photographer and there was this old farm equipment in this field and we were looking for snowy owls and he was just like in a dreamy way like i want someday to get a photo of that owl on this farm equipment <laughs> was, yeah. his dream was to get a snowy owl on the old farm equipment
1: if you just keep going it'll happen one day maybe who knows
2: if there really are infinite universes it has to
1: yeah if snowy owls even exist anymore
2: that's a good point. I think there was one in Wisconsin now that's people have had the last couple of days, but it has not been a good year for them,
0: it's which silly, I'm sure man. has been a bummer for people taking photos and birders all over the country. I can't
1: yeah. believe you guys had four barn owls. I don't even remember hearing about that. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. It was like every two weeks there was one reported at Montrose. I mean, I had to open the same thing that just kept doing circles or something, but it was... I can get the dates, but there—I think it was twice in November, and then one time in October, because it was pouring rain one day, and then it was beginning in November, because I remember we went there for avocets, and there just happened to be a barn owl, and then we were looking for long ears. So yeah, middle of November, and there was another barn owl. Um, and then there's one more day, I think. I mean, I could be—I could just be delusional, but there are definitely three days that there was barn owl in 2022. So that was something—a story.
2: I've got a question for you. Was there a photo opportunity that either you completely missed, you know, you saw the shot and you couldn't get the camera up in time, or you got a picture of it, but did not turn out at all how you hoped that still haunts you
1: to this day? Still haunts me to this day. I I don't think so. I mean, like the, I haven't gone on many trips, so I'm sure if I went on more trips and that stuff happened, I'd feel a lot more pain but a lot of the stuff I shoot is around here. So if I screw up something, I just go out the next day and I hope to get it again. It was probably shorted owls for the longest time. Um, I guess with owls, the most thing I kick myself most about is probably, it's probably the barn owl. The first time in 2022, we had the barn owl. It flew right over my head by about 10 feet. And I just It was more or less, I was just staring at the thing flying over me instead of actually holding my camera up and taking the picture. The bird and you took over. Yeah. I didn't really expect that to happen and I was like, oh my god, this is actually happening. And then of course it flew to the top of the tree and it sat there and then it flew away and no one could find it again. So, that was like, well, that sucks, but it was cool to experience. Uh, Have
2: you gotten Boreal owl yet? (laughs) No. How many
1: times have I tried for a Boreal About Six seven times really, um, yeah. I've done many overnight trips to Duluth in the last two years, and, and that's
0: not on 50. the list of your next one you want to photograph.
1: Look, dude, it's not gonna happen. I've accepted <laughs> this this winter, it's not happening. It's so, a broken man, I'm a broken <laughs> man, I, I'm not hyped, but Oriol. I really want it in the end, of, at the end of the day, it's a rare saw it all that's a different color so that's how I see it that's how I hope with myself for all the I was gonna say know,
2: that's uh justification right there that's, that's heavy that's psychologically diagnosed
1: heavy copium um the barn owl it's just something about the barn owl I don't know what it is it's that like whitish yellowish I don't know just a pretty bird to me with the heart the face. shaped face and it's to me it's more or less it's way harder for me it seems to get a picture of a barn owl than if I really wanted a boreal, I could just go to Canada. I have buddies up there that, you know, have them in Canada. So if I really wanted that, I could do that. And it's not hard. They just sit there and don't really do much. But barn owls seems like, heaven forbid, they're on anything that looks nice. So that's the next, that's the next target.
2: If it makes you feel any better, I still haven't actually seen a barn owl. It would be a life bird for me still. So you're doing better than me.
1: Hey, legend has it, rumor has it, they're somewhere in Wisconsin along the Mississippi. Yeah, who knows? uh,
2: They usually just turn up when they're deceased. Someone finds a wing or something and then
1: Yep. That happens in Chicago as well. Yep. Or a head. We've had a couple heads in uh in Montrose Point. I think one time at least a head, but wings and stuff. Yep. They love to die to peregrines, it seems like. Gruesome.
0: Yeah, they're kind of fragile. I mean they're very elegant looking, but they're (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: they don't they're just kind of stupid. (laughs) It's impossible.
0: Uh, they don't make good life choices. Um, no. So I got to ask, how much post-processing do you do on the photos? Is that like a big part of it? Because I know some people like to just shoot and just upload. Other people like have a 10-step post-process. Like what is your
1: go-to? It depends what the original scene was like. So like with what kind of bird? What kind of picture are you talking like, about? Like we'll say a screech owl. A screech owl? Okay. So I would share my screen and show you. It's It's heavy processing in some parts because again the picture is so dark still even if you're shooting at a one second exposure at 4000 iso the bird itself is dark the background is so bright because again the sun sets in the background so you're you gotta really you gotta do a lot of masking so my photos have five six seven masks on them to bring out the bird to you know bring the background back to what it i want it to look like um It's pretty heavy. The saturation isn't very heavy. I don't really turn the saturation up too much. I could bump it up for, you know, what's up? Are you shooting in RAW? Always, yep. I always shoot RAW. I I shoot compressed RAW. I know people love uncompressed RAW. They say, oh, the dynamic range is so much better. It's not really that much better. Don't buy into the lie. The file sizes are two times the size. It's not worth it. Um, So I shoot compressed RAW. They're 50 megabytes, which is still huge. Um, But, again... The processing varies on the picture and what colors I want to bring out. It's usually pretty heavy and compared to like a warbler picture where you're not combating these super high dynamic range situations. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, it, it's kind of sucks saying it because I, I would love for the picture to not be heavily edited and just be like, that's the way it looked. It's not the way it looked. Most of the pictures you see online are not the way they've actually looked. Yeah,
0: it's, it's kind of crazy seeing like the difference between the before and after and what people are able to bring out. Mm -hmm. Now, just to clarify, so the deal with shooting in RAW is that allows you to have access to more of the elements, but the files are huge, right? As opposed to shooting in JPEG, where it's like, kind of more is the way it is, you can just change certain things. Okay, gotcha. So learning all this photography stuff. They got a wrong. big Olympus lens, and uh, now he's a photographer, but he had to send it back. Ooh. It was a loaner. Yeah, so. I oh. tested it. They only let me keep it for like a month. So
1: Did you? Did they send you the OM-2 or whatever they just came no, out? No, they let me test the OM-1,
0: and then I found out the OM-2 oh. came out. And I was What's oh, up with that?
1: Yeah, they should have sent you the whole kit. Could have gone yeah. out and did a whole thing. Done the we whole think trip. they
0: should have just given him the OM-1, you know, just like, yeah, uh, here yeah we have the
1: two now. Here, you can keep the one. Mm-hmm. And then, then you go buy a lens, and look, they just got a customer. That, yeah, it was that's funny business though, 101 he, right there
0: he turned
2: into a big time photographer for that time he had it you know he was like I gotta go outside and get some gold I started switches. talking about lighting gold a lot yeah, I was he's like, saying, the lighting oh sucks. man the lighting you know he used to be like oh that's a cool bird I'm so happy I get to take videos of it and he's like the lighting on that rare
0: gray color Picard is awful and oh, I, I did it. not say anything about the Picard I was just happy we saw that thing man is that, is
1: that, a, is that a Texas reference Where is this yeah from? we were in Texas yeah. so we were looking
0: at a lot of like cool stuff but it was fun to have like an act i had mm-hmm. tried the 150 to 400 pro lens on it so it was fun to actually like take birds and flight shots and things
1: it is fun but then you learn a lot a lot about light and then you know why photographers <laughs> are such sticklers about shooting past like nine in the morning because it just sucks most of the time <laughs> it's hard to make it work photographers it really
0: i feel like definitely complain more than birders though because oh, birders are like oh i'm so glad we saw mm-hmm. photographers are like i didn't get a good picture
1: there's too much heat haze or the lights too harsh the colors don't pop right there's there's i'm the same way i you know i complain all the time is what it is whatever
2: you become curmudgeonly as you graduate into photographer i think that a lot of people too Well, not a lot of people, but I think that there's a good amount of people that start out as birders. And then once they've seen most of the birds, they kind of say, okay, now I want to do something extra with the birds because otherwise it's kind of the same stuff over and over. So I think sometimes then people go, okay, I'm going to take pictures and focus on that now. So it's kind of the next level occasionally, it feels Mm -hmm. like.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just something more to do and it keeps you enjoying the birds because you're not enjoying them through the binoculars. At least take a picture of them. I mean, it gives you a little something more to do
2: yeah do you ever just go out birding do you ever just bring the binoculars instead no
1: i mean so do i have it in here no i don't so i have a thermal binocular um, oh that's sweet pulsar pulsar telos xv50 um it's amazing so at night i'll go out and i'll look for owls that way and just bring that along and that's probably the most birding i'll do otherwise I feel like if I see a crazy bird and I see a good photo and I don't have a camera, that's when I'm gonna want to, you know, do some bad things. The you first know, time you
0: go out with just binoculars, a barn owl is gonna fly and that's land when the right barn owl is gonna be 100%. right at Salt
1: Creek. Yep, right by my house. I already know it. Right so. on the wood line. Oh man, right on a dead <laughs> tree. Yep, right out in the open. Yep. But uh, no, is I,
2: the using the thermal binoculars? Is it? I guess easy. Do you find a lot of birds that way? Is it Does it open up a lot for you in, in order to find those owls?
1: So again, I just, so full disclosure, I got this two months ago. So very preliminary, but I have found owls with it, mostly great horned, barred, um, but at night screech owls, it's so easy to find screech owls at night. If you really know where they, you know, are not roosting, but their territory. I mean, it's pretty immediate once the sun goes down and that remnant heat horns off of the bushes, they pop out like crazy. So it's easy to find them that way for me. Um, I haven't found any in cavities yet because it's been so sunny for some reason. I'm not complaining. But the trees are so hot with the sun that you can't really tell if it's a bird or just a tree being hot with the monocular. So we'll see how that works in the spring with them nesting. I'm sure it'll be a lot easier then. Um, I'm more excited to test it on bittern on rail um and even skulking warblers connecticut kentucky because the smaller birds that aren't like owls because owls they just soak all the heat in any anything that's not the face of an owl is just cold completely cold um but the smaller birds like chickadees cardinals blue jays are all just red hot all over their body so i feel like you know you're going to be able to find a connecticut or kentucky a lot easier than just sitting there looking with your eyes And i'm kind of excited about that because or some of my favorite warblers are the skulkers, so we'll see. Yeah,
0: so a couple of questions a little background first on the thermal. So basically, it's kind of new technology that's popped up, but basically, you hold it up and different heats will be different colors, so it's easier to find what? birds and animals that have a heat signature against something that's you know colder, like the background. Can you only use it at night then? Because during
1: the day, is stuff too warm from the sun, or can you use it all the time? So you can use it all the time. Um, so it's more or less when you look at a tree and it's warm and it's just the tree and the backgrounds are more trees and you can't see the sky it'll adjust for that temperature on the tree to the other trees and something hotter in the frame right so if the tree's 40 degrees and the bird is 70 degrees you're going to see that bird pop more but when you introduce that cold sky when it's sunny outside the sky is only 20 or 30 degrees in theory the trees just glow orange because the trees are so much hotter than the air and the sky behind it that it makes it really hard. But if you look at the ground, even when it is hot, it's adjusting for just the temperatures in that little small area. So if something is much hotter than that little area, it'll it'll pop up really easy. And I've, I still I found, you know, when we were in the bog, the ermine and the pine marten you could see them through the tree line, just kind of sitting in the grass or not the grass but the snow, and you knew that you could could stay there and just wait for them to come out and track them like that. Um, So yeah, I mean, you could, I'm not going to say you can use them when it's 90 because I think everything at that point would be hot. Um, But I think I've read from some people that in 60s and 70 degrees, they're really good. So I'm hyped to see in two months how they work, even with, you know, a month from now with Woodcock and stuff. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I feel like that's kind of the new one of the really new big things in birding. Can I ask yep. how much yours cost? Cause I know some yep. of them are like way up
1: there. It was, it was $4,000. So it's it, mine. It was not cheap, but there are cheaper offerings like from Pulsar. There's an XG35 or an XQ35, which are like 1500 or 2000, which again, it's still a lot of money, but it's not 4,000. We have found out we have had people in my group buy the cheaper Flur, you know, like the phone attachments mm-hmm. or like, The crappy Amazon three hundred dollars ones, they don't work. Anything that on YouTube that says they work or they're crazy, you know, they they pick everything out. They don't. We've tried them in the bog. We've tried them just around the house. They're they're just not great. the The sensitivity seems lower, so I, I don't really know how to describe it. They're just not good. That's all I can say. It's definitely a pay to play thing it's not like binoculars where it's like they're okay and then he gets to oh they're good and then he gets oh they're good but gooder so i know gooders not a real word you know
2: <laughs> it's okay it's okay yeah. we won't bust uh, you on that one we uh, get what you're saying we that's need a
0: really cool though we need being a thermal loaner program where you can test it out that's what you i can want rent them
1: you can, can rent you them. yeah that's how we i mean that so, sounds cool yep yeah. uh I don't know what the website's called, but my buddy Holden rented one, and we took it to the bog, and that's how he found out that, oh, this is, like, actually legit if you spend money. So then we all spent money, and here we are. So I think we have, like, three or four people now with these big monoculars. I can't wait to pull up to Montrose point with one and look like a total psychopath, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah,
2: with the radio dish too so then you can hear the connecticut's from six miles away and then you're also picking them up on the thermal and you just look like you're some kind of secret agent
1: you gotta have the big camera too you just gotta be look like a total psycho do you go camo too no my (laughs) my opinion on camouflage especially in this area is it's completely pointless and if you put it on it's kind of weird to me uh i mean i don't care i mean in this area it seems like they don't care i'm sure if you go to the bog or wherever and you have full camo your face is covered some of these people wear a camo jacket and they think they're just invisible but it's more the face it seems like for birds where if you don't cover that it doesn't matter if you're in full camo they can see your face they're not stupid so that's why i actually kind of
2: um we talk a lot about how it seems like you know when you do get your camera on a bird sometimes you see that's when they freak out Mm -hmm. so you're just kind of watching it and all of a sudden you put that lens up do you know why is it just because they see that big circular thing and it kind of looks like a large eye or is there something that the camera actually emits that they feel or pick up or can see
1: i just think they know they're uh, i don't know why i'm not gonna say i know why but i think they just know you're we looking at them in one way or another yeah maybe.
0: so, so <laughs> anytime with uh owls we got to talk about like the ethical part of it because, you know, some photographers, they'll like post their pictures and the owl is super wide eyed. It's super thin. Yeah. You can tell like they're way too close mm-hmm. to it. And then a bunch of people are like amazing picture, incredible. What wide eyes, you know, that kind of thing. How do you balance enjoying
1: owls, but also, you know, respecting their boundaries? I mean, it, that's a really, I mean, it's a, it's a, the topic right of owl ethics right now is so debated. It seems like, especially with, I mean, just this winter in the Midwest area, it's just been kind of crazy with long-eared and saw wet and all the stuff happening up north. But for me, it's more or less, with playback, I'm not going to lie, I've used playback before. I've used playback to find owls. I don't use playback starting February through breeding season, through uh, summer and whatever, just because I really don't want to interfere with whatever nesting that's going on. I'm speaking specifically to screech because that's really only the owl species I care about in this area. Um, if I, The thing is with screech, when they come out of their hole at night, it's dark enough to the point where I think they don't think I can see them because I've never had them get that stuck up, thin, tufts wide up, eyes wide open, kind of angry look. They just always kind of fat. Um, I'm not sure why, you know, because I'm, I'm still 10, 15 feet away from them, typically where you'd see them get stressed out. I don't know if some owls have certain tolerance levels or whatever, but if I ever do see an owl get stressed out, just leave immediately. I don't want to flush it off his territory because obviously, I'm not going to lie, I want to reap the benefits. I want to go back there every few nights and take its picture. I'd rather not flush it out of the area. I I don't want it to be killed either. that's generally the rule I will go about. If I ever see stress, I leave. If if I see it changing holes for some odd reason, you know, every three days, I don't think that's normal. So I'll just leave them alone. I've left the alone for over a year if I see that happening, because it's gotta be me that's doing it. I don't know why it would be changing holes every now and or every day or two, if it's, unless it's a squirrel or something. Um, it's just whenever I start seeing a bird get stressed out, I will leave it alone for weeks just because I don't want to be the one responsible for getting it killed or, you know, something like that. But feel free to ask me any questions. I'll talk ethics all day. That's a hot topic here. why is
2: it a hot topic right now like we have some stuff going on up here there's a saw wet owl that's kind of being gate kept and there's been some pictures of it where it looks terrified um and then the long ears are of course always an issue up here too because people scare those away and i could talk for hours about people acting inappropriately by the long-eared owls but is that the same down by you is it those two species you said again
1: yeah um this winter there hasn't been like any solid owls here besides in one certain spot so that hasn't really been a hot topic but long-eared in Illinois same as you guys you guys have that one area we had that one area uh, a couple of years ago um and I'll say it's a it was a deer grove everyone knew about it people from Texas knew about it people from Arizona knew about it and people would just go back there they flush them they get them in flight and it was just oh everyone's having a great time here um it was just a terrible no one you can't go and enjoy the birds when you're seeing stuff like that because you know what's happening like even if you're taking their picture you subconsciously know you're doing a bad thing I I think everyone has to know that but this this winter why I feel like it's such a debated you know heavy thing is there's stuff going up in a certain state that might be a little northwest to you guys that I won't mention the name of I don't know anyone there you know I'm not part of this but I do know there's a lot of controversy there about the way they're going about things and the way birds are being treated specifically saw and long-eared i won't again i don't want to you know give away who i'm friends with or who i talk to up there but there's a lot of really questionable stuff going on up there with the uh, yeah i don't i just don't want to yeah yeah no give away. yeah but... i
0: think something you mentioned that really irritates me is when people scare birds to get flight photos because it's just such, like, a selfish thing to move that yep. bird where it's comfortable just to get, like, a mm-hmm. picture. And You know, people always kind of do the, like, oh, something spooked it, and then I got this photo of it in flight. Like, you can yeah. kind of read between the lines there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like most long eared owls are not going to go get spooked by a chipmunk. Obviously, someone walked under the thing and flushed it. You know, it is what it is. It's not going to get scared by a squirrel. Um, it just, It pisses me off when people lie about that kind of stuff. And you see it in Chicago too it's snowy owls whenever there's a snowy owl at Montrose Point on the fish hook. Me and my buddy were there two years ago and we were photographing it. And some guy asked us if we were done. We were walking away. He had a camera. We turned around. Dude rode his bike up to it, flushed it, took its picture, and posted it in Illinois Birding Network and got like a thousand likes. Magical moment. No, I don't think so, dude. I think you just went and flushed the thing because you wanted to. Um, People are so driven by media, social media engagement. It's kind of sad and they kind of forget the whole reason, like just let the birds, just see the birds, you know, don't, don't interact with them like that. It's a terrible thing in my opinion to do. It, it pisses me off. It does piss me off.
2: I think the only way to fix that too, to a degree is to educate people enough that when they see something like that, like mean, when they see an owl looking terrified or they, you know, hear about somebody chasing one away that instead of giving that photo a like. And instead of saying great capture, they start to say, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, don't scare the owl away. More people want to see it. Because it's not just selfish from that perspective too of, hey, you scared this owl away. It's now expending energy. It's having to change its roosting side. It could potentially get injured or hurt. It's also other people want to be able to see it respectfully. So right. if you have a right. group of 10 people that want to see this owl and one person goes in and flushes it, they ruin it for everybody. And that okay. also delves into the gatekeeping issue as well because a lot of people keep owls more under wraps because there's going to be people that go in and flush it so they'll tell a set number of people and then you'll end up with this owl that could spark interest from other people getting them into birding, getting them into bird conservation but they never get to see it because some people are behaving badly and therefore the community can't know so it's just, it's frustrating, like you said, that a couple of people, or maybe even it's more than a couple of people, but that a set number of people are responsible for this issue that ruins it for everybody.
1: Yeah. And the gatekeeping is is another strange thing. Um, I mean, technically, I probably gatekeep stuff. I mean, I know about dozens and dozens of owls, and I, I'd rather not tell anybody about them because the deep-seated fear of them going there and ruining it for me it's a selfish thing but I don't want them to go there and flush them off territory and then especially once you tell one person that person's gonna tell one other person or two other people and then that's just gonna you know keep going and they'll be like oh I won't tell anybody they're gonna tell somebody I'll you know we we all would I'm I'm gonna keep it real just human instinct you want to share it with somebody so I don't it's not i'm not technically gatekeeping i don't have a group of people that i take with me but um i get, i get why it's frustrating you know we in illinois it's more the rarities that get gate kept instead of the owls so like uh the mexican violet ear that was gate kept 15 hmm. people got to see it for a few days and that was that was it. if you if you weren't in the know then you weren't in the know until the story came out um blacked out gray um that's a touchy subject that just happened, but everyone got to see it, luckily. So, um, wait,
2: what did you say? Did you say everyone, but you got to see
1: it? No, no, I got to see it, but that was going to, that was going to be another bird. Again. I don't know. You know, I'm not the guy. I didn't say this, but it was, it's cause it was at a private residence and they didn't know if they wanted that many people there. Turns out she was okay with a billion people coming over and spending time in her house and talking to them. So that's great. Um, Another bird that's been kept is the, there was a deer falcon in LaSalle County that no one knew about until it was flushed a few days later. And that pissed me off because I would kill to see a deer falcon. Um, it's a big thing for me. I'd rather see that than uh, any uh, species of owl in the U.S. at this wow. point. Yep. They're just cool, dude. They're, they're yeah, just cool. big, chonky, angry birds. <laughs> I would so, love to see one of the
2: pure white ones that just looks like see. a yep. snowy owl version of a falcon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they ever would come down here because they're way up there that variety, yeah. but that's so cool.
1: Yeah, I think this one was just like the standard looking, you know, slightly cooler peregrine falcon, but still big and it's cool. I want to see the big and cool bird. Uh,
2: that actually with those specifically as well and some of the other owl species not only are they gate kept by individual people but they're also gate kept by ebird because they're sensitive now too so Derek and I talk about it a lot you know we'll probably never be able to see a jeer falcon or a northern hawk owl or a gray gray in Wisconsin because those reports are suppressed on ebird so yep. even if people wanted to get it out ebird's gonna hide it you're not gonna see it on anything until you just look at the big map and there's a big like purple splotch purple on it you know yep. somewhere yeah somewhere in that area so it's really limited the way you can see those birds and i get it because people behave badly again you know or mm-hmm. falconers come and try to take that stuff too so it's just a yeah. a weird problem to have
0: Well, I feel like when we started 10 years ago, it wasn't like that because we were able to see a deer falcon that showed up at Buena Vista grasslands the first year because it wasn't a suppressed species or anything. But now I feel like it's getting harder and harder to find that stuff. And I wonder if even just things like snowies and sawwets are going to get hidden by eBird at one point. It's going to be this kind of deal where a lot of the species that would get new birders into birding and conservation, they're not going to be able to see because it's such a hidden
1: type thing. I could, I, mean, I could see them hiding solid owls, especially after the debacle this winter so far with some of the solids in the area. I'd be shocked if they did snowies, though. I'd be—a I'd be I'd, a lot of heartbrokenness over here because I just use eBird to find those things all the time. I don't—I'm don't, i don't, I'm not going to search fields. I'll be honest. I don't, don't want to put the work in. Oh, true, especially not this year. Yeah, if I don't see a red dot on eBird for a snowy owl, I ain't going out and looking in cornfields. Not this year. But— I get the I get it I do get the sensitiveness of some of this stuff because the way people act it's just shitty it's it's people that are doing it it's, it's you know it's our I'm not gonna say what well, I do I want to say it? it's our companions actions that are causing this so we need to educate people or we need to cast those people away but just not possible. So it's just gonna keep getting worse, in my opinion. What sucks, I,
0: but I feel like it's tough because you do have the negative action with the positive reinforcement online mm-hmm. of people being like, oh, there's yeah. an amazing photo, great jobs. Then there's nothing discouraging them from doing the same thing again. I'm some groups have said we're not gonna accept these photos because people are doing unethical things to get them. So mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of trying to combat that, but there's just a lot of like ethical stuff. It's the same as literally anything else in life is
1: a couple people can ruin it for everyone. And it is. It's mostly just a couple of people that are ruining it. I mean, most people are, they either they're not aware of the you know the ethical you know stuff. That's fine. You can be blissfully unaware. That's fine. But some there's a couple of people that know what they're doing, and they're doing it to get interactions. They're you know stressing them out to get interactions, and it just sucks. And it's not going to stop until they stop getting interactions, or you know, or they get called out. But then some people choose you know the the Joker arc, and they just go do it more. So. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but... I mean, that's kind of why...
0: I I don't know if you're into, like, herping at all and that kind of stuff, but, I mean, at least birds can fly. You know, are you familiar with herping? Is that with frogs? Like, you know, reptiles. reptiles Looking for snakes and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. that stuff's really kept under wraps because people can go and take it. Yeah, like, you know, if there's a turtle you you find, someone, yeah, someone could go take it for their collection or whatever. So that's even more... Like, no one wants to tell you where anything is because
1: it it d- can't fly like a bird can. Right, yeah, especially a turtle. I, I just can't imagine the mindset some people have to go and just take stuff, but I guess some people do think that way. It's just very weird to me. Just come on, man. Just let nature be nature. Enjoy it and go home and watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can you tell
0: us a little more about just, like, the birding scene in Illinois? Is, like, Chicago the main place? Is there,
1: like, a couple main places? It's mostly Chicago, um, our Discord server. I mean, the, the amount of interaction in Cook County versus uh, way south, Carroll County, or wherever you want to talk, is it's crazy, the difference. And obviously, I mean, Chicago is a huge metropolitan area. And most people live in Cook or they live in DuPage. And DuPage people go to Cook County to bird. So you get a lot of different groups. Um, sometimes those groups clash. Um, Ethics are heavily talked about in Chicago, especially during, uh, migration season at Montrose and stuff like that. Um, so that's always a hot topic of discussion. If you're too close, you're doing this or you're doing that, you're stressing the bird out. Um, I'll say most people are nice. I, I, I have no enemies with anyone here. Everyone has been nice. I'm nice to everyone. Um, they're all helpful. Usually, you know, with most birds, um, no, oh, I don't really have too much bad things to say about here. It's definitely interesting sometimes when you're not in the loop like I was a couple of years ago and you miss this cool stuff and you kind of grow a grudge to some of you know some of these groups of people, but whatever, it's under just water under the bridge at this point. Um, it's I do enjoy burning in Wisconsin more because it seems like you guys are a lot nicer up there <laughs> just in general. No, I don't tolls. know if we should put that on
2: record for him. We don't want him no to tolls. get kicked out,
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, you guys have no tolls up there. I just go where I want to go. Freedom. Yep. I still think yeah, we should not... put
2: tolls specifically on Illinois license plates that come up, oh, actually. Oh,
1: jeez. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Hey, that's he why I'm right not in charge, your though. You're free. You're free as
2: long as I don't get elected governor.
1: True? Well, hey, I can keep going up to Milwaukee yeah. and bagging all the owls then. Whatever. <laughs> bagging the tanager. Did so... you get
2: the tanager?
1: Yep. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, I went... Um, I don't know was it two hours after it got reported or something it oh. was pouring rain or i forgot but that day was fun because we got a double hole screech owl or double screech owl in a hole and then we blasted up there and got the tanager which was awesome you know we got some like bonapartes and i think i got my first photo of an icelandic gull, which was oh, yeah. think, sl- almost as exciting as a as the tanager because the tanager is very nice hey hey the pictures okay the pictures oh Seeing yeah i forgot we're talking to a you
0: photographer
1: yeah, yeah 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 it was
2: a really nice iceland goal though we saw it there. it was it was, was uh um, like wasn't white, it a basically pure white iceland yeah. goal yeah,
1: yeah it was a good goal and i was very happy um dude there were so many warblers that day too just just dripping off the trees it was a, it was I mean, it was a fun day it was 40 degrees but it was a fun day
2: a number of days later, there was three harlequin ducks that were there as well, just twenty <laughs> yards offshore too.
1: Were the males?
2: Uh, I think one was a male actually, mm. and then there was also a random Willet there that just popped in for a bit too.
1: Willit, that's a classic. Chicago if you're into that right sort there. of thing,
2: <laughs> I feel like we get way more harlequin ducks than we used to. It used to be you know one or two a year, and now it feels that there's way more. But which oh. I'm not going to complain. I love harlequin These ducks. Harlequins They're so are cool. my favorite ducks. Yeah, yeah. I'll more than say... the wood
1: duck. Yeah, I mean, wood ducks are just wood ducks to me. They're cool pictures, but they're just everywhere here. So, you know, you could go to North Pond next to Montrose, and they're they're hand fed, so they just come up to you. So, that's did you go
2: get pictures of the probably domesticated mandarin duck that showed up at the yacht yeah. club? Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. did.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I got we were there and we waited four hours for that thing to come out. It was brutal. It was last March, March like sixth or something, and it was like. It was like eight degrees outside, which was crazy, and I was like, "This is this is miserable for a pet duck," but it was pretty. It was pretty duck. Uh, we got a long-tailed duck that male long-tailed duck that day too. Nice. So that was probably my the best part of that.
0: That thing had paparazzi. Like the amount of money in lenses there was ridiculous every day. I think for you should just buy your bird. own. Buy your own mandarin ducks. Put them in a pond in your backyard, and then you can
2: charge people mm-hmm. to come take photos of them.
1: Hey, I. Definitely didn't have this idea, but someone that wasn't me had the idea of taking mandarins and putting them in the Montrose Harbor and just seeing the freak out ensue of there being a mandarin duck there. I didn't say that. If it happens to happen this spring, I don't know. But I think that would be funny. It would. That would be
2: very funny. I think that people would be canoeing, kayaking, swimming with their lenses held above them to get as close as humanly possible to the mandarin ducks that may or may not be here directly from Asia.
1: Yeah, surely. They flew all the way over here. Yeah, we don't know. Um What about the flamingos? Was there more lenses and or money and lenses there? Or was the Mandarin still
0: Yeah. I would first day of Flamingos, yeah. I would say there was more money and lenses there. And then there was like a somebody
1: so they showed up in port. You didn't go up mm-hmm. for those, did you? I was in I was I, I was working and then I went to Colorado. So okay. No. Sounds like he avoided them deliberately. Yeah, tough. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but
0: they so they were on the lakefront and then they moved kind of like to the middle of the state. But in between yep. that, somebody allegedly photoshopped a picture of one. And so there was this report where it's like, oh, yeah, one of the flamingos was sighted here, and someone was like, oh, I was there. And the guy taking the picture was looking at not a flamingo, and it was like photoshopped. And there was a lot of weird stuff going on with that. Interesting, the For internet flamingos. man, it's made
1: things strange. Yeah, well, how did, did you guys do? With Rosie at Spoonbill this year, how much did you get any in the Milwaukee-ish area, or I mean, no? So there was, so one, there was
0: one in like Green Bay area. I don't. Me yeah, and Ryan didn't the, end up going to go see it, but apparently people weren't being very ethical for that, from what I've heard. Wasn't it way out on like the flats
1: out there? I think it varied.
0: Think so. It would kind of come closer and go further. Yeah.
1: Seems it's like people's. that kind of
2: stuff from the south is moving up more and more. You know, the limpkins are coming in mm-hmm. now. Oh, you know, sh- I think I don't know if this was our first rosy at Spoonbill, but we rosy Spoonbill. The flamingos aren't gonna be
0: a normal thing, but there was know, a white a ibis.
2: Oh, oh yeah, there was white ibis.
0: What was a crazy year. Um, yeah, it was an adult, I think. Yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> weird. So, yeah. Matt, you go people listening they go birding in chicago right for whatever thing they want to go see where do they go and
1: get deep dish pizza what's your recommendation oh geez dude you're putting me on the spot for a guy that's just a white kid that's ate the same pizza uh um
2: hey pizza knows no color matt
1: i guess dude i'm just gonna say like the typical like go to gino's east i think gino's i think Giordano's sucks i'll put that that's a a hot take i like it i like how you acted like you had no
2: opinion and then threw that one in there
1: (laughs) not a Giudano's guy i think gino's is way better um but deep dish i'm not a deep dish guy i mean i'll eat like two pieces of it and then i feel like i'm dying so you know that's how you're supposed to feel i guess but it's like you don't want to eat just for like five days afterwards it sucks like how much money you save Dude, the deep dish pizza is like fifty dollars. Yeah, but it's it like, keeps you full for six weeks. Six weeks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I guess, I, after for eating a slice every other day, um, I'm more of that thin crust, dude. That that thinner crust tavern style. That's more. Do my, you have my, a place my, uh, for that? Nah, I mean every ta- tavern crust style, style pizza is good to me. So just go anywhere. Go watch Dave. Not take him to the Roy. Wells Brothers. Dude.
2: Where? called wells brothers it got reviewed um it was reviewed by dave reviews and it's the super super thin crust the milwaukee Milwaukee style
1: style. dude the thinner the crust the better the pizza you would would like like it
2: it was was literally like eating a tortilla ryan hated it it wasn't my favorite pizza the hype it was overhyped in my opinion you know i would eat it again i would eat it it just wasn't my favorite
1: brothers what racine yeah yeah 4.7 4.7 stars on google dude that's pretty good 1, i think reviews. what i'm hearing
2: is we're gonna have to go down to illinois find some screech owls find some other owl species drive up together have some wells brothers pizza and then boom call it a day
1: sounds like a good plan to me sounds or maybe there will be a black dot to of gray and racine at some point again they you know? get them right there. Uh, that
0: kind of stuff at win point so hey meet you there not see it again what was the deal with the black throat of gray? Was it just like
1: people didn't think uh, the homeowner was going to allow people, and then they did the Illinois one? Yeah. So ooh, first, it, at first I just reported on eBird. Like some guy just made a random eBird report that he saw it in someone's back, or not even a backyard. He just put it in a hot spot. Um, so we had one of my friends message that guy. Now that guy was, I think, kind of vague, but he was kind of willing to help. So they went back and forth, and they got the homeowner's contact info. And then the first person was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to see if the bird's there. And then I'm going to ask if other people can come. And then he went and it seemed like to him, they didn't want many people coming. So again, I was fortunate enough to be in this group that was going to be able to see it. And again, that's, you know, the gatekeeping part. Um, So we went to see it. And when I got there that same day, an hour after he had been there, There's like 20 other people there already. I was like, well, I don't even get to be in the gatekeeping uh, party anymore. Everyone knows about this thing. The McHenry County Audubon knew about it. The Kane County Audubon. I was like, oh, well, now I don't feel bad. So that's kind of how it went. And the birds stayed for a week.
0: I feel like we should have a rule with anyone who's nice enough to open their house. You just put a tip jar out and people can give donations if they want. Because there's some really nice homeowners out there mm-hmm. that just like they will sometimes even give you food and like make oh, stuff yeah. and water and they just love having people over and i feel like you know they should be getting somebody should put out a tip jar for them if there are too
2: people if this they don't just...
0: want to somebody else should and then yeah. give them the proceeds I don't know this what I would a, do if a
2: rare bird showed up in my house because I've seen the craziness that ensues. There would just be people traipsing around the backyard. Yeah, there would probably be yeah. people using the bathroom in the corner. It would just be anarchy.
1: Well, this woman seemed to have stuff on lock. It was just, it was the nicest, like old woman, you know, widow. She just had a bunch of cats. She just seemed like she just wanted people to talk to. So people go over there. They'd stay for like two hours, three hours, you know, just having conversations with her. Um, People were buying. I think my buddy Owen bought her. It was either like a hundred bucks or fifty bucks of bird seed and like bird feeders from Wild Birds Unlimited. People were leaving like twenty and fifty dollar bills on the table. So she had the tip jar unlocked, even though there was no tip jar. But she wasn't. She said no backyard. No one can go in the backyard. No one went in the backyard. Finally, nice to see someone actually listen. No one, you know, didn't go or you know overstep. So it was it was a good experience for for her and us as birders which was nice solid i'm gonna put you on the spot with this one what are
0: your top five tips for new bird photographers so maybe they buy one of those bigger lenses or maybe they just have like a point and shoot camera Mm -hmm. like what are a couple things that they can do that's gonna help their bird photography that you've learned since you started your journey uh
1: don't shoot up at the sky if you can it's not a good photo. Uh, the blue background is not good. But the white, even worse. The white background is even worse. Um, patience. You need to have a lot of patience if you want to get the good photo. Um, it sucks sometimes. You're waiting two three hours. And it doesn't happen. But just what you have to do. Um, if you're shooting a bird that's on the ground, laid on on the ground, not shooting down at it, you get that eye level. It looks a lot more professional and a lot more cleaner because they're blowing that foreground out, which would... Otherwise just be water or mud or something like that. Concrete. Um, what else? What else? Be humble. You know, don't think you know it all when you're first starting for the first, you know, couple of years. Cause you don't, I learned that I thought I was the hottest, you know, thing on the block in 2021, I really wasn't. The photos are not good. Um, so, you know, just don't cause people pick up on that. You know, if you're acting like a know-it-all, you know, and, you can kind of burn bridges that way. I feel like I probably burned a couple of bridges that way, um, you know, by just acting like that. And I could have made some good friends that would have helped me out, but that is what it is. It's um, another thing. What's one thing I wish I knew? Uh, I don't know. Just learn your camera. You just need to learn how your camera works. Learn how to shoot manual. Manual helps a lot of things, you know, not shooting in auto or even people love to shoot in aperture priority mode. Just do manual, in my opinion. You know, you can use auto ISO if that helps you. I use it sometimes too, but just learn how your camera works. Learn what your shutter speed does. Learn what your ISO does. Just go out and play with it. Go out every single day and play with it, you know, or whenever you can, obviously, permit, schedule, limiting. But it takes a lot of time. You're not just going to be good at it overnight. So don't give up on it. You'll okay, go get good. Yeah. promise.
0: I-, I feel like that was one good lesson from your stories. You were very patient with it you mm-hmm. know like you was and you went back and said you know when i started the photos were bad but i just kept doing it over and over and over again and yeah. i'm assuming that's because you just enjoyed doing it so much
1: i did i mean it's fun i mean just i just enjoy seeing the birds and i'm it's that's not the even, birder in them I it like is I, it is um except i like looking at them through a camera and not binoculars but I, again it's not for me it's not even i don't want really social media engagement i'm not posting every single day i'm not commenting on everyone's pictures you know begging for you know interactions but i don't know i just the pictures are cool and they look pretty and the birds are awesome to be around so that's why i do it so
0: i want that ebird
1: cover photo (laughs) i that's i do want that i'm not gonna lie i do that is cool to have um gives you that little burst inside you know little happiness burst i have
2: one more question for you matt let me paint you the situation you're in a muddy field you're wearing a white suit no idea how you got there mm-hmm. a jeer falcon and a barn owl land right in front of you you know that if you shoot from eye level down it's not going to turn out well but that's just mud on the
1: ground you think what i'm not going to lay in the mud dude <laughs> come on i've i've trashed so much of my stuff just laying in mud i Dude, my camera's been in Lake Michigan. It's been in creeks. Been like in Lake fully, Michigan? fully in Lake Michigan. Sony Alpha One, whoever's listening, best camera imaginable, apparently, because it's seen saltwater. It's seen freshwater. It's been submerged for 10 seconds at some points. How best did camera. that happen? Uh, so the one that was submerged for that long, it was I was at McClary Springs in Cook County, and I was on the side of a creek, and the mud just kind of gave way, so the camera just slowly fell into the creek. And it was one of those moments where it fell into the creek and you just kind of stared at it like, what just happened? Like what like why? And I took my phone out to like film it and I was like, I need to get this out of the water first. So yeah, it was about 10 seconds that I was in the water. Um, but yeah, I'm trashing the suit. I don't care about a suit. Dude, (laughs) I'm wearing a hoodie and like sweatpants. That's all I wear i don't need no suit
2: well i'd love to hear the backstory on how you ended up in that muddy field in a white suit then but hey it's good to know good to know where your allegiances lie to i the thought proto. you were gonna
0: say okay like that same scenario barnology or falcon flying in you can only get a picture of one which one are you picking barnall he's think. dedicated is it, is
1: it a good perch with the good background flying. it's flying it's in flight what's flying what's yeah. the background the muddy field but is it a green background it's we the call
2: apocalypse it? and you see a black hole <laughs> opening up
1: behind it oh well we're all gonna be dead anyways so <laughs> whatever i'll just enjoy the birds you while gotta get that picture though well who's gonna see it i'm not even really able to get to see it for it's black gonna hole. Be the last ever cover i thought you, I thought you took them for you nobody needs. Well, i'm not to even gonna be able to see it i'm gonna <laughs> die to the hole i'm gonna shred it up jeez
2: that if people want to see your photos it's because there are some really cool photos there one of my you the photos you take of those screech owls are some of my favorites to see and I think every time I look at them on Instagram I'm like wow that's crazy where can people go to find you if they want to see that
1: stuff so i only post on instagram or ebird if you're that bored um it's zero z u r o photography like in photography t o g r a p h y um or just look up matt zero you'll find me um that's the only place I post. So if you want to go, check them out. Check them out. They're cool, I guess.
0: Yeah, would definitely recommend checking out the Instagram. A lot of owls lately, which fits, oh dude, I'm addicted. You know? I
1: have so many warblers from the sp- or from the fall that I haven't posted, and I like I want to, but I can't. Come on, it's owl season.
0: All right, I got one one more question for you. Do you think AI is gonna ruin photography? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah because you see people post stuff i saw a hilarious photo of somebody shot i think it was of a condor like shot from below and then they had just ai'd the milky way
1: in the background Oh, and yeah, people were like you're like what are you doing the guy's like it's a cool photo yeah just put <laughs> some put some aurora borealis behind it you know whatever put the moon behind it yeah do you, you think, think it's going to become too hard to tell what's real and what's not Oh, dude, go on Instagram. I could go on Instagram right now. Half the the little search button thing, the magnifying glass, is all AI art. And you wouldn't know unless you clicked the link or clicked the picture and saw in the hashtags that it's AI art. It's crazy. And they have like 150,000 likes. Who needs to take real pictures anymore? Who needs real birds when you can just generate them from AI? So when they all go extinct, you know, just slap some, some open AI together and boom, you got barn owl.
2: You can convince people a species is not extinct well after it's gone extinct. Oh gosh, Ooh. don't even we say do that. that
1: with the with the ivory build. Now oh, you brought up the ivory build. We that don't thing's need, still we alive.
0: You got to go photograph it, Matt. It's still I like feel a as sprembo. though
2: Matt started out trying not to ruffle any feathers. Then he made that comment about <laughs> Giordano's, and now he said the ivory build's still alive. So now he's gonna get haters from all
0: across the board. He's, <laughs> the board. he's had some hot takes today. Definitely, dude, some I'm a hot, the hot takes. take
1: machine, dude. I don't I don't have any filter love I, it. I hope i wish I was alive dude those things look crazy way better than pilliated
0: Maybe you can go to thing. like costa rica and see like uh pale build pale build yeah pale build down there that one's cool go take a gander do they look the same they're similar it's that same genus oh yeah they do look. Cool.
1: yeah yeah you would have they're a blast in costa rica
0: dude i feel like my your buddy, head
1: would explode my buddy mike Carroll's is going there this this spring. oh we, we know mike awkward. yeah I yeah. love Mike. We go out howling every night. He lives like two minutes from my house. Perfect. Um, but he's going there in, in April. And I, I don't have 10,000, let's be honest, dollars to spend. On well, Costa you just spent like a day, bunch right? of money on the thermal. So. And the camera right up here. This guy right here. <laughs> for my job. But Costa Rica will happen in the next five years. It's it's definitely a place I need to go. But first, Arizona. Arizona's happening in April. So I'm excited.
0: you been to South Texas? I have not. That's next Ooh. spring. You got to <laughs> go.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, a lot of places on your bucket list you need to hit up arizona's happening south texas a pack northwest needs to happen uh along with the tetons maybe at the same time but then costa rica i do want to do alaska or canada one of those two just because sounds cool i don't know alaska sounds cool i want a king eider fair enough big time big time
0: with uh the AI stuff does that do you feel discouraged as a photographer or does it not change anything for you No no, no? cuz I
1: just do it for myself you know it's it's it is kind of you know you open Instagram and I don't really do it that much but I open it and I go to the search tab and I'm just like dude what is even the point of trying to grow an Instagram at this point if these accounts are getting 200,000 likes with fake art but that's the only time I really feel discouraged cuz again I'm doing it for myself I enjoy being in nature and just seeing stuff and experiencing it so is what it is.
0: I wonder yeah. when we're going to start seeing AI images like an eBird, and if they're going to be able to tell that it's,
1: you know, not I, real. I, I had that thought the other day when I saw the fake barn owl picture. I'm like, dude, this is going to get a little ridiculous, even with like the the near extinct species. So we'll see. We'll see if AI is that good, though. It's getting I good. I picture um,
2: Matt opening Instagram, getting discouraged, you know, doing a little sigh, like. Uh, and then just going, well, screech owl time. And then yep. just going outside.
1: Yep. Well, time, to, out. time to go five minutes from my house and feel sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, Do you oh, feel
0: God. like when it's you one on one with a lot of these species, it's almost like a spiritual experience?
1: You know, some people say that. And it felt like that when I was with the Great Grays the last time because it was just like that serene, it was just dead silent with four great greys and one that I was just with it and I was I was the only person with it and I don't I mean I don't know if it's spiritual or whatever you know it just feels crazy you know it just feels like wow this is happening
0: it feels like you have that connection you know you're like watching this bird hunt you're watching it look around it's like I don't know it's just a really cool thing they're very majestic a lot of these birds so just a a lot of good feelings definitely well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Matt. Um, definitely encourage people to check out your photography on Instagram or eBird if they want to, you know, get into <laughs> yeah, there and keep an eye on the eBird homepage. Yeah, yeah. five stars, some photos if you if you dig them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I appreciate uh, you having
1: me. I love talking about birds and random stuff. I just ramble.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's been fun. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for watching this episode of the Badgerland Birding Podcast. <laughs>